I've always wanted to be an architect. I always wanted to be an architect. Oh my God. I have always wanted to be an architect. Siempre quise ser un arquitecto. I've always wanted to be an architect. I've always wanted to be an architect. I've always wanted to be an architect. So on today's podcast is my good friend, Ed Childs. Restaurateur, entrepreneur, developer, sustainable activist, and owner of the Childs Group, a multi-restaurant corporation, including an organic farm and commercial properties, while at the same time leading the industry in sustainable food and composting. We were introduced to Ed and his group in 2009 when we began our journey together, renovating each of their unique and beloved restaurants throughout Florida, including Longboat Key, Bradenton Beach, and Anna Maria Island. We are still going strong on multiple projects with Ed and his team, but the connection between food and design is a fascinating topic, and we thought that conversation would be interesting and relatable since everyone eats. You may even find out the secret sauce and what makes a restaurant's design really work. Welcome, Ed. So, Ed, why don't you introduce yourself Give us a little bit of your history and a little bit about your businesses. Sure. Thanks, Baron. And it's a pleasure to be a part of your podcast. I, I kind of backed in or fell into the restaurant business. It's funny because I look back on it and I always was about food, but I didn't really realize it. You know, and our family was really food oriented, both my mom and, and dad. My dad was a lawyer and then I thought I was going to be a lawyer. Then I, I saw so many people in the law do it for a little bit and then get out and do other things. So I got out of school not knowing what I was going to do. I had been a pots and pans washer at the ATO house, University of Florida, and my dad did the first four red lobsters. Then when I got out of school, he approached me about doing something. I ended up kind of getting into it, doing a place on Anna Maria, doing the kind of food that we grew up eating. Here I am, 43 years later, doing another project with you. So when was the Childs Group formed? The genesis of the Childs Group the, is the Sandbar Restaurant. 1979 was three financial partners and one sweat equity guy that was me. And so that was the Sandbar eventually. And uh, then Dad and I did the Beach House. And so once we had three, we were the Childs Group. You own now more. The Childs Group has more than just three restaurants. So Yeah, we do. We are pretty wide in the space, really. And that's so much about what we are about now and the whole sustainable story. We're in a time where people care more about their food and we want to know where our food comes from and who grew it. So we're deep in the food chain and to the extent that we have our own organic farm. And not only is it an organic farm, but it's one where we're taking all of our compost from the restaurants and we're doing all the stuff from the dish pits. And that's a program that our leadership team started four years ago, where every single scrap that comes off a plate in all three of our restaurants comes back out to this farm. And then we mix that, we create soil, and we're, you know, really doing a lot of things that are out there on the, on the spectrum, whether it's taking an invasive species that's a problem yet it's an opportunity because it's some of the best pork. So we love those kind of projects. The, the environment is important. What we do now, hospitality is 11% of the world economy. We better be working in our industry on how we are sustainable. And we better be doing it in building and how we do things. 
it starts there. And those are the things that I'm excited to be working on with you as we now go to the next level with a food hub and a commissary at Camel Creek Farm. Okay, so were, the, were, those, were those concepts and those, that approach, was that something that you were always interested in or was that sort of an evolution of the process of owning restaurants and getting into them from a, from a renovation standpoint, from a design standpoint? Like what got you so excited and passionate about that side of the, the food industry? And Yeah, I think it's, a, it, it's kind of some of both. It's growing up. Never remember not being on Anna Maria and eating mullet and fishing for mackerel on the piers and that great local sustainable seafood. And then in the beginning of my restaurant career, when we were buying a lot of seafood out the back door, guys would go out fishing, catch a lot of fish, bring it in, stone crabs, blue crabs. And, and then as you went along, and I think it's the great thing about when you start doing things and you start thinking more uh, about sustainability because any of us that are here realize that this area is under pressure and it's not just this area it's worldwide it's it, and it's marine ecosystems everywhere upland systems we need to be doing things all of us in our daily lives in our industries and in our businesses to turn back the clock of the last 50 years and deal with these issues they are critical they are absolutely critical you know, we're arguably one of the largest independent restaurant groups in a pretty good size area. And if we can recycle all of our waste from the dish pit, and if we can do the, the Gulf Coast Oyster Restoration Recycling Program, which Robert Barr, our COO, started, who also started the compost program, and now is one of the most successful programs in the country with just our three restaurants started it, and then we got seven other restaurants. We should be doing that with all the restaurants here. We should be doing all of those types of things. And people want that. I think people want to come work in places, care about that, and that are where it's more than just about the job. I, frankly, the composting thing, which I keep talking about, culturally, it's the best thing we ever did. Because when that, when my servers and my bussers and my staff are looking at other people and saying, hey, you need to make sure you're putting things in the right bin here because this is what we do. And if you don't, if you don't care about that, you're going to be more comfortable working somewhere else. That's what I believe is the most important thing. And that's about all of these types of things that we are doing. Build it sustainably. Operate it sustainably. To me, one of the things you are touching on or you're saying is that not only is design and sustainability important to restaurant development, but it's more about the people that work the restaurants and those things matter to them. And ultimately, those are the people that are making your restaurant successful. Is that fair to say? It's critical. Yeah, It's the linchpin. Because we can do all of this. All, we can grow clam and we can have our own bakery and we can have an organic farm that supplies 40% of our produce uh, and we can go to Thomasville and pick up all the great produce in that market in the summer months when we're not doing as much here and all of these things with sustainable seafood. But if the customer comes in, that is the point at which it's got to get transmitted. You know, if you're a seafood lover, have you ever had fish collars? Try it because you're a seafood lover. And oh, by the way, you know, the salad that you eat, this is the organic greens from our farm. And uh, the breads you're having today, we make all the breads for all three restaurants in our bakery. And we use the 
Carolina Goldflower and all of these types of things so that they have the knowledge to be able to, to tell that story so that people hear that and see that and hopefully take some of that away with them. Yeah, and we've had, and, and when you and I have eaten together at, at your restaurants, we've had this conversation where there's a direct connection between when the waitress or waiter comes up to you and starts explaining things and giving direction or giving information or giving background as to whether it's the food or even I would go as far to say the design of the restaurant and why you did certain things and why the opening at Beach House, the trellis in the you know at the Beach House allows for people to sit outside more and that helped with COVID and whatever whatever the explanation is or the history of, of all of those different things, people like to hear that and they become more connected with the restaurant once they hear stuff like that. Exactly. All the components of the whole and the design that gives you that sense of place of that restaurant and the way you are greeted coming in and the way you are treated. And, you know, so we deal with a lot of visitors. And what do we do when we go visit somewhere? We want to get a sense of what the locals say is good and, and what should I be having? And wait a minute, there's a part on this menu that says fish parts. What? Tell me about fish parts. Oh, there's your opportunity, right? Because the fish gave everything and the waiter's in a place that is doing something that other people don't do. And they get a chance to talk about that. And when they have a fish lover and he eats a fish collar and oh, by the way, it's the best part of the fish, he leaves talking about it and he has a great experience. And that that's the way uh, waiters do well because they get a better tip that way. Can you make a direct connection between design, sustainability and food, discussion about all that and profitability? I don't think there's any question about that. If you don't have the right design, then you're going to have a problem logistically, you know, operationally. If everybody's bumping into each other or your bar is not done right. And we've done that over the years before you and I worked together when we had, a, you know, somebody coming in and setting up a bar or doing something and they were the whole equipment package and all of a sudden they forgot a component of it. But creating that sense of place, that place, that, that feel that you have, it's kind of part of it. I think we're fortunate to have it in all three places is that it's a sense of it's authentic. It is the sandbar. It is not trying to be something else. So then when you have that, and then you have, you know, what you're doing in terms of the story, you've got to have the depth. But when you put all of that together, then you create a, an experience and they're not just coming for dinner. And I think that's what all of those components do. And I think design is a critical component of that. And how you get to that design has been really one of the great privileges of the 13 years now that we've worked together because of the collaborative process and your patience, I should say, of going <laughs> through all of the iterations so it finds its level. And it, when it does, oh man, it's just magic. And then when you've got the platform at that point and it's yours to screw up, you just, you, so much of it is there, just operate it well and do something that is authentic in terms of the what you are offering and the experience to the customer and the statements you're making and the story you're telling through your food. And I think, again, more for us, a story we're telling about the uplands in Gamble Creek here on our organic farm and how it ties into the marine environment. And that's why we're working so hard on the bivalve and clam projects. Anybody that's listened to this podcast, go to All Clams on Deck, sign up. We're working on biological mitigation strategies for 
aquaculture, the clams, not just for table fare, but for restoration because they clean water and they promote seagrass. And we really need to be making sure that, that we're promoting our marine environments because we're they're under a lot of pressure. And anybody that lives here knows that. Okay, so on that note, what are some of the foreseen challenges that you, you see coming up in relation to the food industry, but also then how that translates to the design of restaurants and how those need to be thought about? Great question. And I think we're still trying to figure that out. And we've gone through the largest chasm, and I've been in this business for 40, it'd be 44 years in July that we have ever uh, gone through. And there are no, there's no question that you've got to do things different and we're not settled at exactly where it's, where the new is going to be yet, but it will be more for sure, right? After yeah. COVID. And that's why we were so fortunate. You know, how did we deal with COVID? Gosh, if you were in a, a strip mall somewhere or in an enclosed building somewhere where you didn't have a patio space or whatever, it was a whole lot more difficult. We were we're half outside, half inside, and so we were able to move outside. So opening up places, tighter spaces, I, I think those are, you're not going to see as, uh, as many of those. Technology is going to be critical because you're going to have to be prepared to do more than with less. You know, we keep thinking now people coming back, and we are starting to see some of that, but, uh, but not enough. And I think we're going to have to use technology and use our operating systems and how we engineer our menu, how we lay out space and the and design is going to be critical in all of that. But for us, we can be more casual. We can, it's paring down menus. It's being very efficient in how you operate and how you're managing that, how you're dealing with serving more people with less staff. What do you think restaurants get wrong? You know, I mean... I don't know. All these are great ideas and I, I agree with obviously all of them, but what have you seen hasn't worked in all the restaurants that you've been to that you wish would have been different? I'm pretty easy when I go in. I'm pretty forgiving. And I've got a philosophy that you never waste a meal. So I'll go out of my way to go down the road rather than, you know, eat a lot of chain food and stuff. Uh, I want to try to find a place that has uh, some authenticity to it. But when I think what is the, the average place, the, the worst thing you can get wrong is just not having that courtesy and graciousness and welcoming and warm. And how are you? Thanks for coming. Let me get the door for you. That makes up for so much. And you don't have that, then you're just not giving yourself as good a chance for success. And if you have a small problem, it'll turn into a bigger problem because you didn't set the, the tone when they walked in the door. Yeah. You know, I, I've been trying to figure out like, and, and we've talked about it at other times, but what is that connection between food and design? And, and I think now that you're talking and we're talking through this, I think that if restaurants focused on that concept of authenticity, and I say that directly related to food, because I think like, you can have a conversation about design for commercial office building. You can have it for even schools, you know, whatever the, the occupancy is or the type of architecture that we're talking about. But specifically for restaurants, there is a uniqueness to restaurants that requires that authenticity that by designing it that way or by having a restaurant that, that reflects that and, and emphasizes that and projects that, in the way people walk into the restaurant, the way people sit, the way people sit at the bar, the way people walk outside, 
there really is a connection between that and the food that is served and the way that people feel like, okay, I am getting decent, sustainable food, for, whether it's like you've talked about the clams or whether you've talked about the certain type of fish that how it's farmed. When you connect those two, if, you, if I think about all the different restaurants that I've been to and which ones make a mark in my mind, in my memory as to what I appreciate the most, it's that authenticity that is, I think, the connection. And it's interesting. I, I think that's it. it really I, 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 I know. I, I just, I'm sitting here thinking about what you're saying. And I think you were absolutely have hit it. And as I was thinking about doing this today, the word that kept coming up, you know, I was thinking about the questions and was authentic. And we've talked about it a number of times today. And I got to mention this. My mom, uh, brother, uh, Ed Grafton, who I'm named after. I'm Ed Grafton Childs was a, a well a renowned architect. And my mother always wanted me to be an architect. And I was not going to be an architect. But an architect and a chef and food and what we do is also similar because the chef designs the plate. He puts it all together and yeah. he, and how that all works and fits. And you are part of the plate. The macro plate is just what you were talking about. And then everybody has a sense of identity. We're not going to get rid of chains. And you know, I wish we could get over the I don't know how we solve the problem, but that two earner family that's working hard and they got three kids and the easiest thing to do is to go to the fast food thing and get a big bag of fast food for 20 bucks and everybody's happy. But what you just said, you could do that anywhere. What is it that are the intrinsic things that everybody grew up with that your area is known for? Right. And when you do that and you create that setting that accepts those things and that tells that story not just in the menu, but when you walk in the door and how, how you feel and what you and all the things that you just described. That is a dining experience and you're not going just to a restaurant. And I hope, again, that somebody would take something away from that. Look, the best thing we can do is quit shipping food all the way across country. It's the best thing for our health. It's the best thing for the environment. It's the best thing from our local economies. And it tastes better. So if we could just get back to that thing where food was local and now all of this consolidation and monocrops and everything else, whether it's in food or it's in design or put designs where you do neighborhoods or you put up all these buildings that don't have those components, that don't have the, that aren't taking advantage of the technology and the things that we can do now. And they ought to be because you can save money in the long run doing and you sure sleep better. I could, uh, anyway. And people walk away with a better experience. That's it, right? That's yeah, and we, we hope, I think there's naked self-interest in here that we hope it makes people come to give us, you know, to come more and to have us, and that it makes a better worker come. That, uh, you know, somebody that, that the person that cares about that is the person that I want to have work for us. All right, I think that's a good way to end this. I think we've, thank you, Ed. I'm out of the farm trying to make this thing happen. So I just want you to know I'm here. <laughs> I'll get you your drawing soon. Okay, thank you, Ben. I always enjoy talking to Ed, and I hope you enjoyed it too. Tune in to episode four when I speak with Cody Carson, a construction manager at one of the most successful general contractor firms on Florida's Gulf Coast, and learn about how architects and contractors get along and sometimes don't. <laughs>